Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Welfare. I'm Amy Lane. And each week, we break down the barriers to running so you can get more from your time in your trainers. I'm currently taking an extended break to learn how to juggle a toddler and a newborn, but that doesn't mean you have to rest up too. So I thought it would be handy to revisit some of our most loved and most listened to episodes from the past seasons. The advice and expertise is as useful today as it was back then. So prepare yourself for the cracking tips from the experts around the globe. Together, we'll help you reach your running goals this year. Today's episode is a rerun from season one, and it's a fabulous mix of expert advice and inspiring run chats, plus a 16-week guide tailored to support your marathon journey. So if you've started 2022 with that goal in mind, or if you are just keen to run for fun, then we are here to help you through. Keep up the good work. And when you start flagging, why not get involved in the Welfare Strava Club or support each other from afar on Instagram using the hashtag Welfare. I hope you enjoy this episode and I really hope it helps you to keep going Welfare this year. Welcome to Welfare, the weekly running podcast that will be by your side as you train for 26.2. It's hosted by me, Amy Hopkinson. By day, I'm Women's Health Digital Editor, but when not in the office, I'm a marathon runner too. So this year, with the race on the horizon, I'm here to help with blisters and bruises, runners' highs and lows, what to eat before Sunday run day, and how the heck you refuel after. So put on your trainers, plug yourself in, let's get going. Hello everyone, and welcome back to week four of Welfare, and week four of your running journey. Um, How is it all going? That's what I want to know. I've actually had a pretty tough week because although I've been holed up in a really gorgeous health hotel in Austria, I've also had the weather to contend with. So I arrived in Austria last weekend to be greeted with six metres of snow. At first I was like, isn't this amazing? I've arrived in a winter wonderland. And then I quickly realised that six metres of snow meant no running outdoors. So I've had to take all my training inside and onto the treadmill, which I can tell you hasn't been that much fun. So this week I have powered through a tempo session, a speed session, a easy run and a long run all on the treadmill. They were all brutal for the brain just because I got so bored. I just couldn't stop thinking about the distance on the screen. Minutes felt like hours. I was so, so bored. So in the end, I had to change my tactics. And what I ended up doing was running a kilometre, walking for, say, 30 seconds, running a kilometre, walking for 30 seconds. It was those micro breaks which actually helped me get through the mileage. 
And then what else have I been doing? Oh, I've actually been catching up with a lot of you guys on Instagram. And one of the things which you kept asking me or a couple of you asked me was, how did I get into running and where did it all begin? Now that we're kind of a month in, I feel like now is probably the right time to share my story. So here goes. I first got into running last year when I was asked to run the London Marathon for a project called Mission Marathon. And I was asked to do it because they needed somebody to run for a group called the Finish Liners. And essentially that was a group who were tackling the London Marathon but weren't going to try and get a time. And this really appealed to me. Up until that point, I'd had no interest in running the London Marathon, or any marathon in fact, because I was so worried that my time wouldn't be as fast enough as people in the office or out of my friends. And so I kind of let my ego stand in the way of taking on this amazing challenge. And so when I was given the opportunity to train and forget times and to just do it for how it felt and to do it for the achievement, I jumped at the chance. And it was during that training that I realized that actually I really do like running. And the reason that I really like running is because for me, it's my headspace. It gets me outside. It means I have to put my phone down for an hour or more because there is just no way that you can run along a London street with your phone in your hand. Well, actually I say there's no way. I have tried it, bumped into somebody. It was very awkward. I've never done it again. It's my happy time. It's the time when I can just listen to music it's the time when I listen to podcasts and it's a time when I see the city and I've never regretted a run. I've only ever regretted the runs I don't do. So it was the marathon that got me into it and then it was the feeling that's kept me doing it. And this year, the reason I'm running is because I'm actually taking on Paris Marathon. So for me, it was a chance to do the training again and then to run a marathon in one of the cities that I love the most and I just can't wait. So that's enough from me. And I am going to move on to this week's guests, which are actually fantastically timed because we have Rory and Omar from Track Life London who are going to be talking about speed training, which is what I've been doing on the treadmill this week. So over to these guys. Today I am so excited to be in the studio with two guys who have really helped shape my running journey. They are Omar and Rory from Track Life London. So Omar has trained with GB coaches as an 800 metre athlete himself. He brings a wealth of experience and technical knowledge as a running coach and specialist in his field. Over the years, he has worked alongside some of the world's leading running brands such as Nike and Adidas and has helped many runners achieve their full potential. With him today is his partner in crime, Rory Knight. Rory's an elite fitness expert who is internationally renowned for his unique style of motivation and innovative training techniques. He's a global master trainer for Techno Gym and is extremely passionate about helping people to maximise their potential, but prides himself on his ability to build and nurture relationships to bring out the best in everyone. Oh, that's nice. That was nice, wasn't that it? Was nice. Welcome, guys. Thank you, Amy. Good afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> so happy to have you both here. Happy to be here. Delighted to be here. It so, was. It, I'm hoping that was the most difficult part for us to like be silent for and, and sit still for two minutes. Yeah, we're twitching now. <laughs> now you can really unleash the running chat. So, Track Life London. What is Track Life London? Track Life London. Well, it's um, a concept myself and Rory have been working on for years, years of planning, years of plotting. Um, and essentially, it was an idea where we wanted to make track accessible to everyone. 
Now, we've got this stigma at the moment. I think worldwide, not just in the UK, that track is for the elite. Maybe track is for the people who are good at running. But we know it can be a, an amazing environment for everybody. So we wanted to bring the fun, the energy, the excitement, but also the knowledge to every single runner out there at the moment. You've just touched on something because I always felt like track running was just for athletes or real runners until I came to Track Life London. Is that something which you experience too? Do you think that perception stops people from joining a track? Yeah, I think for sure. Like there is that, as Omar alluded to, there's this stigma that track is only for elite athletes. We're telling people it's not, but yet people don't fully believe us until they actually experience a session. So a big part of our journey is to make everybody feel welcome. And actually the most the most asked question we receive like via Instagram or, or email usually starts off with, I'm not very fast, but... And it doesn't matter what we respond and what we say in terms of, guys, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, we, we welcome all abilities. People still feel intimidated. So a big part of what we try and do is make people feel comfortable instantly. And then what do you do in your sessions for anybody that's listening in that doesn't really know what happens at a track session? So first of all, we get the speaker on loud, on maximum. <laughs> and just, you know, settle the nerves. So they'll do a warm up. And then we spend around 30 minutes of actually teaching you how to actually run. And that sounds quite a... I don't know, funny thing to say how to run because it's quite a natural movement. But if you think the majority of our people that are coming sat down in a desk all day, muscles are tight, tendons are tight. A lot of posture when you run will feel quite unnatural if you haven't done it for many years and maybe beginning. So we teach you about technique. We teach you about drills. We train you exactly how athletes would warm up. Um, so it doesn't matter if you're not as fast as maybe, you know, Usain Bolt. You can still do a drill that Usain Bolt does. And then we'll go into the main session. So after around 20 minutes, 30 minutes of activations, uh, training, doing drills, we'll, we'll give you the main, the meat of the session. And that's the session that's really going to get you faster, working outside of your comfort zone. Um, and that's when your endorphins are high. And uh, yeah, you really, I mean, you've been there, Amy, so you know that bit. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The main part of the session, that's speed training, right? For sure, yeah. Why is speed training so important to marathon runners? I think having the, having the ability to to change gear at different points is super, super important. So we'll teach you how to run at different paces. So if all of your training is constantly at one speed, which is a mistake we find a lot of people make, yeah. you don't have the ability to change gear. If you suddenly find your, your pace has dropped and you need to pick it up at some point, if you've never trained in that way, then you're going to find it super, super difficult. So we'll, we'll teach your body, not only physically, but also, also the mental side. Okay, so possibly take you places where you've never been before mentally. But because you've got us motivating you, you've got other coaches motivating you, and also you've got everybody else motivating you, it's so much easier to continue and carry on. Whereas if you were running by yourself, it's very easy to stop. Yeah, because I think right now there's probably a lot of people at home looking at their marathon plans and thinking, I have skipped my speed session last week and probably thought that it was okay to do that. But actually, they probably need to be doing it. For sure. I think um, so when you are struggling, your body has been exposed and used to a faster pace. So you can actually sit back a bit more comfortably at your marathon pace, at your half marathon pace, rather than just knowing one gear, one speed. Because what happens if you only train at marathon speed and on marathon day, you're struggling at marathon speed because you haven't been exposed to anything faster. So it's kind of like exposing your legs, your body to a, to a faster pace. And when you're thinking about speeds, I know that you guys before have spoke about effort levels, haven't you? Rather than trying to put times on your speeds, 
So for people starting out at the moment, which are thinking about actually they need to have a half marathon pace or maybe their plan is then saying they need to run at mile pace at a certain point or a 10k pace. How would you guys advise them to do that? When people come down, a lot of them, we say to them, if you've never stepped on a track or you haven't run for a while, you don't know your 5k, your mile pace. Yeah. Forget all of that. Get back to how it feels. So when we say 70% effort, that's you getting to know your body and being in tune with your body. For those that come regularly and kind of do their 5Ks, have their PBs, they know their times, we, we have that side to it as well. But if you've just come down or you've, you've come off the back of years of not running, just get back to used to it and how it feels and different percentages, different efforts. So. so if people are looking at a plan right now and it's like your mile pace, is that basically the fastest you can run a mile in and so you'd want to be running at like 80% intensity as you're doing it? or um, Essentially, yeah. I mean, it would it would be sort of a 70 to 80% effort because that's how you feel when you do a mile, you know, flat out. So if you are doing a mile pace, usually it'll be for an interval that's less than a mile in training. Um, and it's more about just that harder effort. So yeah, like a 70, 80% effort. Let's take the 100 metres, for example. So Usain has just run his 9.63 and he's been interviewed 10 minutes after the race. Or, you know, Dina Asher-Smith, she's, she's just splits out 100 or 200 metres. But they've been in, interviewed 10 minutes later and they're still breathing heavy and it's still so so this is what we're saying about intensity get to know your body get to learn what 70 percent effort feels like what 80 percent. because too often you'll hear people go right i want you to sprint maximum effort yeah rest one minute like that one minute recovery is never going to be long enough okay and that's where it differs from hit training as well so hit training is about maximum effort you're never going to recover sufficiently i'm not saying in track we're always going to allow you to recover sufficiently but the idea is that we give you enough recovery so you can come back in and complete the given reps with good form all about form obviously as trainers who teach in studios too do you see women coming in and doing hit training and think that that actually counts as like a speed session for instance i think if you want to get better better at running the best thing to do is running i think that's true with every single sport out there However, there's, it's not saying that HIIT training is not going to help with your aerobic system, your anaerobic system. So definitely there's benefits um, and I think it has its place. But you got to, everyone's individual and their training and their work life schedule is individual. So you've got to look at your week and see what fits in with you. So if you can't get down to an interval session, a speed session, then HIIT might be the next best thing for you if you can't get out and run or do a treadmill session. But if you have a choice of running a interval session or a hit session and you've got running focus goals of course the running goal is going to be the main one so i'm quite passionate about this come the, on the, yeah. <laughs> hit us deep breath <laughs> i remember being around you know working around chelsea sloan square it was really difficult to find anywhere to basically go and do a class where mm. it was hit training now it's like it just everything's gone too far it's hit 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 and I think people have cottoned on the last couple of years that you cannot do HIIT training five, six, seven times a week. Mm. Yeah, you might get short-term results, but it's not good for your body. It's not good for your joints. So the way we like to train at Track Life, I'm not saying there won't be a high-intensity element, but that's not the primary emphasis. The primary emphasis is to educate, um, empower runners, and to make people faster. So we'd, we'd spend more time generally on working on stability working on balance, working on a lot of the components that we feel uh, are missing from a lot of runners' regimes because they're going to get that high-intensity element elsewhere, generally. So stability and balance. 
They seem like the the least sexy words, but I mean, I feel like they could make. No, it a we sexy can make them runner. sexy. We yeah. make anything yeah. sexy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, what are you doing today? I'm building stability. <laughs> All depends how you say it, exactly. <laughs> but it's true. I think running. You spend a lot of time when you think of it running on one leg, right? Your one leg is up, one leg is out. So if your balance and coordination and your all those little, if you don't believe us, just next time you run, have a little think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so true. So if if those bits of the jigsaw are missing, then you can't do the meat of your session as hard and as effective as you want to do it. So it's kind of like getting those little bits in your training, which we do in the drills, in the warm up getting everything fired up, learning about how to incorporate that into your week and your other training, and then being able to run more efficiently. Because if you can run with better technique, you're going to get injured less, ideally. You're going to run faster because you're going to use better running economy. And all around, you're just going to feel better. So if you can get everything going together, it's like the full jigsaw. Absolutely. So runners, forgive me, I'm a runner myself, but runners, we are stupid. Okay, we, are. We, we we often someone will tell you to do something or not to do something. You go, yeah, yeah, of course, of course. You'll wait for something to go wrong. You'll wait to pick up an injury before you actually go. Oh, do you know what they were right? So prehab over rehab, big time. Nice. So for our listeners, what would you say are the top three um, stability and balance drills that they should be doing? I would say getting people to to learn to stand up straight. On one leg. I guess some sessions they wouldn't really care. Like, guys, let's just go run, do an interval. We, like, we care about how people look when they run, how people feel when they run. Um, and when it comes to performing a drill, we're quite militant when it comes to technique. Back to the drills, though. I've got on. a drill. I've got a drill. So, so we've got stand so up straight on one, one leg. Stand up straight one leg. Um, I've got a progression of that reverse lunge into a high knee, but holding the high knee position. So... Exactly what Rory said, but adding a reverse lunge. For the benefit of listeners at home, uh, Omar just sort of demonstrated that as he was sitting down. You couldn't see him. <laughs> In my mind, I was going for it. <laughs> One more. Yeah. So single leg deadlift, adding a bit of weight. So if you don't have a dumbbell or a kettlebell, you could add a water bottle or I was going to say baked your beans. baby, baked but beans. maybe not. <laughs> baked beans. Yeah. Okay. Baked beans, but big, big can? No, the little ones. The little one, okay. Yeah. Little one. They're heavy. <laughs> Dense where beans. You, where you get your beans from? <laughs> Egyptian beans. But I think just or just on that drill, um, it's a really good one to see. Obviously, your balance, but also test where your running alignment is. So a lot of the time, when you do that drill, if the ankle or foot placement is off, the knee will be off and the hip will be off, and that will force you to kind of lose balance. So it's really good to kind of teach you that control. And when you strike the ground, when you're running, if your foot is off, your knee is collapsing in. It's putting a lot of pressure around certain joints that Absolutely. maybe don't need to be. So it's a really good one to actually try. And obviously when you're running, you're taking thousands and thousands oh. and thousands of steps. So, so much more if, force. if your alignment is off, then you are going to have trouble at some point. So practice those. And then is there anything you guys, because obviously you've just mentioned prehab, is there anything you do after a run or after a session which falls under prehab, which people should be doing? Uh, at a track session, we'll always have a you know, have a cool down. Part of it is mental as well, just to, to sort of just celebrate your achievement, um, allow the session to to soak in, let people know what they've just achieved. I always like to, me personally, jump on my foam roller, mm. either when I get home after a track session or the next day. Okay. And then going into the next day, I do as little as possible. Most I might do is a, is a yoga session, but, you know, it's just a huge focus on recovery. So rest day after speed work. Absolutely. For sure, yeah. I think foam roller is huge, especially if you're on a marathon journey. There's, you, I think people always want to feel great and you got to accept no matter your level, a marathon training program, you're going to be tired a lot of the time. You're going to get niggles. 
but the idea is to prevent any serious injuries coming. So what we said with the foam roller, I think that should be personally everyone because you're going to get a huge amount of benefits and it's going to prepare you. Even if you've got an easy run the next day, if you've got knots everywhere and tightness, you're not going to feel great. And, you know, that can lead on to other things. So, yeah, foam roller. If your muscles are not le- shortening and lengthening as they should, something's going to give, something's going to go at some point. So you want, you want your muscles to be working for their full range in order to run as efficiently, as effectively as possible. So think of your foam roller as, as Omar said, it's going to get rid of those sort of adhesions, prevent them from building up. And when you get a knot, it's the most painful thing. And the, the temptation is to go straight over the knot, but hang around there, get the knot, breathe, relax, and it will release. You've touched on two points there that about, so speed work is really essential to your marathon week because if you want to get faster, you've got to run faster. And then recovery afterwards is really key. What other parts of a training program do you guys believe are really important? There are so many different bits of research, so many different sort of schools of thought, but there is a massive emphasis on the long run. Mm. Now, I've seen programs that say you should run basically in training as much as you can without getting injured. But that's a very open question because you don't want to wait until you're injured to realise, okay, 23 miles was too much in training. So usually, typically, people say 19 to 22 miles is what you should be aiming for for your longest run. I'm kind of like different schools of thought. So I, I really believe everyone is individual. So if you are working with a coach or a team, it's getting to know that person. If you've got someone injury prone, I'm not going to push them up to 22 miles in training because most likely their body's going to not handle it. So what I would do to get the same effect, I would say, okay, on your Saturday and Sunday, we're going to split your long run to get the same effect, yeah, but pre- preserve your sort of joints and your, your body by doing maybe 10 miles on the Saturday straight into 16 miles on the Sunday. So you get 26 miles in the weekend, but it's broken up and less chance of injury. But a long run or some sort of aerobic work, you're running a marathon, it has to be in your training. So I would say, listen to your body. So it ties in with what Omar just said. If you have a a speed session or a a long run penciled in and your body feels terrible, it it could be very detrimental. I'm not saying there are not going to be points where you're fatigued um, and, and you have to work for it, but knowing really when you're, sort of completely fried and this is genuinely a bad idea and not just using it as an excuse I think it's crucial to listen to your body it's underfueling one of the things which you see often when people are training hard yes I think again it's, it's very individual people have uh, different metabolic rates mm. how I fuel for strength training and how I fuel for a run is completely and utterly different right um, in terms of when I eat how much I eat how much time so you, you need to you need to learn and this is why you use your marathon training journey as a platform to essentially make mistakes. No one's marathon training journey is perfect. And you're going to make mistakes, make mistakes, sorry, with how you fuel as well. So use your training to try out different types of foods. If you are planning on uh, ingesting gels, which we'd recommend for, for a marathon, practice, you know, having those gels at different points, see how you feel, maybe write a little training diary to, to make a note. Um, and then adapt and adjust accordingly. There's a lot of us which can't get down to track life sessions or maybe aren't close to a track. So we are going to have to do our speed training on a treadmill. How would you say women should go about doing that? Do you have any treadmill tips? Um, treadmill King is going to take yeah. this one. <laughs> Come on. So if you're supposed to have a 60 second recovery and you're looking at your, your, looking at your watch or looking at the timer on the treadmill and it's 60 seconds... Don't even think about it. Just, you know, just go stick to the stick, stick, stick to the boundary. As much as I said earlier, it's important to listen to your body. 
if it's a session where you're supposed to be pushing at certain intensities, get the work done and basically like minimize the excuses. If you're short on time, just make sure you ease into that treadmill session. Okay. So you do not want to be going in straight into your sort of your fast speeds. Do a very, very easy jog if you're short on time. If you can, we would always recommend as trainers coming off doing a few dynamic warm-ups, a few drills, a few running drills and flexibility, mobility drills. It's just going to reduce chances. We're not saying you're going to get injured if you don't do those, yeah. but there's a lower risk of injury. Regarding dr- performing drills on a treadmill as well, I'm actually a big fan of performing drills that are both safe and effective. It's quite a sort of small pool of drills that I would use personally and recommend that runners would do, but I find they make a big difference uh, to your performance on a treadmill session. There are drills like, you know, butt kicks, uh, high knees, light skips, potentially lateral movement if you know you're safe um, and you keep that speed in check. Uh, With lateral movement, I would start at a real slow walking pace. Mm. So I'd say speed wise, even like begin less than three kilometers per hour. Like even to the point where it feels like, oh, my God, this is way too slow. You can always take your speed up. Right. Yeah. And start with just like a lateral, lateral walk. Little crossover walk. Just get used to it. I'd love to give you a demonstration now. No one's going to see it. <laughs> but I don't Just get can. used to it, and then and then you can develop. In, uh, you, you know, you can take it into a skip, into a bound, potentially into a karaoke. But <laughs> if you guys Fancy. do it, let us know how you get on. So I've got one more question for the guys, and that is: if somebody said to you, "What's the one thing I need to do to get faster?" Come to Track Life London. Underscore. <laughs> <laughs> To get faster, you got to run faster. Sounds silly, but you got to get your body used to running a faster pace. With good form. With good form, um, and your body will adapt. The body's an amazing piece of machinery, okay? We, we put limits in our mind, but our body just adapts to, as long as you don't get injured, it will adapt. So, yeah, going to do some sort of interval session at track, on the treadmill, in the park, around anywhere, but you have to get your body used to running at faster intensities. So that's the only way you're going to get faster. You know, it's going to miraculously. The other way I would say is strength training. So I've actually noticed I've got faster as my squat's gone up, as my deadlifts, my big sort of power moves and my compound moves. I sprint a lot more explosively now and I'm actually effectively faster. And strength training will benefit you as a runner, as a human being, regardless of what distance you're running. You know, to have your body strong and anatomically performing as efficiently as possible is, yeah, it's so, so important. So thank you to Rory and Omar. Um, quickly before we sign off, where can our lovely listeners catch up with you guys this year? Where's the best place for them to follow you? Oh, okay. So Instagram, I'm going to try and get this right. Track underscore life underscore L. D-N. Yeah, baby. All right. So that's the Instagram. So um, basically we put all our updates on there. Um, www.tracklifelondon without any underscores.co.uk. They're the, the kind of two places. Obviously, you can follow us individually. Yeah. Mine is at M-R-O-M-G, Mr. Oh My Gosh. And Rory's is? Uh, at Rory Night Fitness. Thank you, guys. And um, please stay tuned for my next guest on the episode. Thanks, Thanks Amy. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So today I have come to Battersea Park to do a run chat with somebody who I've met before, but normally she's throwing Atlas stones <laughs> around KXU Gym. What do you mean? There's no Atlas stones on this run. <laughs> I'm, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> and that, guys, is the lovely Laura. <laughs> um, Laura Hoggins, who you will know from Instagram, who was previously biceps and bronzer and is now... I'm still tanned, Amy. I'm just maybe a bit paler. <laughs> I still want to be known for that, you know. And, and <laughs> now we're going to go on a run and share her marathon story. I'm very excited to run with you at one mile an hour. We've agreed, right? We've agreed that. Should we start? Yeah, perfect. Let's go. <laughs> so, to kick things off... How long have you been working in the fitness industry? So, I have been a, a fitness fanatic all my life. When I was a kid, I played football, netball, basketball. I was actually, I've never admitted to this, a chess club winner. Everything about sport and strategy I've loved. But growing up, maybe being a young female, having a job in fitness wasn't really the one. It wasn't really the opportunities um, in fitness that there's been over the last three years. So I actually worked in an office for about 10 years after university. Um, my last job, I worked for L'Oreal UK. I looked after the Maybelline business in the UK, which was cool, but it wasn't really what I wanted. So I kind of finally grew the, grew the nuts to sack it off. Um, got all my qualifications about four years ago and just went straight in kind of have a passion for fitness, for, for group training, for how it makes you feel, but mainly weightlifting. That's kind of, in my personal evolution, that's where I really found myself and where I'm happiest. Because you do have a saying, don't you? Nothing looks as good as strong feels. Hey, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really believe that because I think through my years... I've spent a lot of time trying to look a certain way. And when I say that, I mean, I think a lot of females can relate, and some men, I guess, uh, to being a slave to the scales. And that kind of has defined historically my, my worth, my value. Spent a lot of years doing these crazy fad diets, whatever, because I thought if I was skinny, lost weight, whatever, that um, that would make me a better person, more valuable. And I kind of found when I started lifting, it didn't matter about the numbers on the scales anymore. I was just enjoying training. And I started to think more about performance. And at that point, I kind of realised I could be physically successful in a different way. With that training, was that your first experience of... Like, really feeling positive about your body? Yeah, 100%. When I started CrossFit, and uh, more when I started uh, training with strong women, I was being praised. I felt good about what my body could do. 
And whatever the hell it looked like as a result, I was so proud of. My physique is, is not for everyone, but I'm finally in the place where it doesn't matter. And I feel so comfortable and so confident and I'm, I'm healthy at the size, shape, whatever, however you want to describe it. I'm just happy. So now, obviously, you own the squat rack. <laughs> you've, you've bossed CrossFit. Right. Why, why are you now running a marathon? It's a, it's a very good question. I ask myself, actually, right now. <laughs> um, running and me have quite a, a history. When I didn't really know much better, when you're trying to get fit, you think, well, running's very accessible. I can just run out of my house. No one's going to see me. I can just do what I do, and it'll burn some calories, and surely that's how it works, right? Then, you know, try and eat a bit less. And running for me was this very transactional relationship of run to lose weight. Right. And I've kind of come full circle, because I ran the London Marathon actually in 2013, um, after a bit of an upsetting breakup. I did it because I wanted a challenge because I knew if I committed to that marathon and I told everyone I'm going to run it, I'd have to do it. And by the time I got there, I would probably have lost weight. I was going to say, were you secretly hoping to lose weight? 100%. By... Yeah. So I would get on the scales and I wanted to run the marathon at 120 pounds. That was my goal. How mad is that to even say that out loud? And uh, I did. On the marathon day, I ran it. I was so injured. Got told by a physio three weeks before, don't do it. Did it anyway. I didn't train for success for that run. I wasn't, wasn't very strong. Didn't work on my technique. I just ran to be a better runner. And uh, as we well know, actually, you need to get strong and get fit to build the foundations to make you a better runner. And I know that now. So I feel like I have some unfinished business with the marathon. I've been very fortunate to have a, a very good crew around me. So Emma, one of your guests on your previous podcast, um, I had like a full analysis at Profeet and she's kind of helped me to assess where I am now. We kind of looked at my running technique, which if I was to describe it was a bulldog doing the grapevine. <laughs> <laughs> I'd lost a lot of lateral energy. I don't really know what I was doing. I just find it so uncomfortable. I don't know what to do with my arms. I'm still trying to work on that. I kind of bicep curl as I run. <laughs> um, that was probably the most uncomfortable thing I've done, is turning up to track and running with all these runners. Was you it? Know, when I didn't feel like a runner. Right, I was going to say, was it the... Was it the fear of not fitting in or not being fast enough? Completely. If I go to, you know, a strongman session or a CrossFit session, I'm pretty sure, you know, I'm not going to be the worst. I can hold my own in those situations. And then I kind of feel like what it's like for a beginner to come in to a weight session because this is so new to me and everyone's kind of got all the gear and I don't really know and I don't quite look like a runner. Emma said to me, I'm not bothered about your time. I'm bothered about your effort. And I want you to manage your runs using your, your heart rate, your breath. Try and relax, feel comfortable, and that's how you're going to monitor your pace. 
I'm faster, I'm more confident, I'm definitely more conditioned to run on the track, on the road, on the treadmill, and I'm just enjoying the journey, I guess, as a experienced fitness person, but a relative running newbie. How is your body faring with going from the weights to, <laughs> to running? Is it, is it actually doing quite well because you were so strong? Well, this is the thing. So the first, my first run, let me tell you, I was about 15 seconds in and I was like, oh God, this is hard. Oh my God, I'm wearing the wrong bra. Oh, these socks really hurt. Oh my God, I'm too hot. Oh, this is hot, I can't do this. That was in about 15 seconds of my first run. And it's a lot, there's so much to think about. My hips were in pain for about three weeks, but now I've kind of done those preliminary runs. I can feel like my posture's good. Like I have strong glutes, I have strong core. My hamstrings are pretty powerful and I'm starting to enjoy it more. And I guess it's just being strong is so transferable. And a lot of people are saying to me, why are you marathon training? Why are you still strength training? I'm like, because it's so important. Like you have to build the foundations of a, a strong body when you're out there for four hours or more, you know, your, your core's gonna crumble. You still need that power. Are you hoping that by you running and sharing, sharing your journey, which you obviously are on Instagram, yeah. that other women might look at you and, and think, I can do that too? I think that's what I'm all about, is that I'll never profess to be the best at anything, but I will always try my hardest, and I will always encourage others to try something they didn't think they could, because I guess that used to be me. I was working in, in an office, doing really long hours, and I wasn't being very kind to myself. And since I found that thing, that I love, and I mean, it doesn't have to be lifting, it doesn't have to be CrossFit, it could be, I don't know, Jiu-Jitsu, Zumba, whatever that thing is that you love, that gets you active, try it. Because you might find that thing, that that's your escapism. It's that endorphin rush for you. I would just encourage everyone to get out and, and try and do something. So the last few months, I've been quite busy writing a book. So Lift Yourself is out on the 4th of July, Independence Day, and it describes all of that as to why you're doing what you're doing. Fitness doesn't have to be 10 million burpees. Getting tired doesn't have to be fitness. It's about kind of looking after your body and finding what works for you. And so with marathon training, are you generally... Are you, are you doing it in the mornings or the evenings or is it just wear it or fit? Do you know what? I've, I've actually found this time really easy to fit in. I have three run days a week. One is a long run day. One is a speed session. One is a mix, I would say. Like, um, I actually go to the treadmill class at KXU just before I work. So I know that I always have to just go an hour earlier I do the session and then I work, so that fits in well. And then I have the, the session at Track Life, which is very humbling, very humbling. But I've learned a lot. You learn, you learn a lot about yourself on the track because there's nowhere to hide. You can't just turn the, the speed on the treadmill down 
you can't just straddle the side and, and wait for it to finish. You That's know? so true. You, you, it's just you and the track, and there's everyone there waiting for you. And it doesn't finish until you get there. So all those battles in my head that I've had, especially on the track, which is, you know, just stop, just quit, don't do the next one, find an excuse. It's given me practice to have that mental endurance and apply it to running, because I've got it in the rest of my life, but running's a little harder for me anyway. Wow, what a journey to share. Yeah. And what a journey for us to follow. I have one more question as we come to the end of our run. So, as a very experienced PT, and training women to feel strong and good, yeah. not just to look a certain way, Yeah. what recovery principles are you doing during marathon training because obviously I feel that you've like looking after your body is a big part of your DNA so what are you doing during marathon training so there's some some things which is just good for the soul okay which is not active it's going to see my parents or going for a walk like I like to be active um but not think about your fitness yeah I, I have to have times in my week where I'm not Laura fitness I have to have something where it's completely unrelated and out of a gym. Like, I don't want to be gym Laura. So that helps my mindset. Yeah. Physically, lots of stretching. Are you? And I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing a bit of cryotherapy. And I think it's just my, my nutrition as well is so different from now than it was in 2013. Like, I used to joke, when I used to finish a run, I'd eat a bag of pineapple because that's health, right? Like, honestly, what was I doing? So I think, you know, your nutrition, yes, active recovery and and stretching and keeping mobile, whatever, is is great. But for me, it's been about my nutrition, making sure I'm fueled, enough protein, because my muscles are doing a lot of work, and a lot of sleep. Naps. Take a nap. Take a nap. And... At your desk, (laughs) Nadia. And that is where we're going to end. Thanks so much. And for everyone that's listening in, where can they follow you? They can follow me on the gram, which is at Laura Biceps, um, and my website, which is um, lifted.fitness. Great. So, yeah, drop me a DM. I'd I'd love to hear from you. And I will speak to you guys all next week. Thank you so much for listening to Welfare, your guide to conquering 26.2. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do take 30 seconds to rate and review us on iTunes. It really does make all the difference and I and the team read absolutely everything you write, which means the world to us. New episodes will be released every Sunday on all the usual podcast platforms, so please do subscribe and never miss a notification. Until then, thanks again to all of you for listening and supporting us and thanks to Mags Creative, the producers of this show. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com